Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a four-week teaching series during Advent called Waiting for the World to Change. Together, we're learning how we can wait differently because God is renewing all things. Thanks for listening. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Sometimes I wonder if we even realize what we're saying when we sing this familiar Christmas song. You know, I grew up in the church, and so I have sung this song for I'm not going to tell you how many years. It's one of my favorite songs. It reminds me of times when our family would gather around the piano, my mom would be playing, we would sing songs together. It reminds me of Christmas Eve services, just like the one we're experiencing tonight. But as I thought about what I wanted to share with you tonight, I want us to consider, honestly, just how revolutionary the words to that song really is. When we say the word Emmanuel, you see, Christmas is not just a sentimental story about a baby in a manger as much as our culture has made it today. Christmas is the most radical story ever told in human history. And this one word right here is what makes it so radical. The first person to ever say the word Emmanuel actually lived 700 years before Jesus was even born. His name was Isaiah. I'm going to get it out there. And he was a prophet called by God to speak to the people of Israel in a very dark time in their history. They were a people waiting for the world to change. And God gives Isaiah this message of hope. And he speaks it. You can see it up on the screen here in Isaiah 7:14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. That was God's promise to his people. And then 700 years later, Matthew, the author of the first gospel story, sums up the entire birth of Jesus this way. All this, all the stuff we're celebrating tonight took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. That's amazing, the promise that God gave to the people of Israel that yes, he would change the world one day, is fulfilled in the birth of Jesus. Emmanuel has come. Now understand, the word Emmanuel is not another name for Jesus, just like Christ isn't his last name. Both of them are titles for Jesus. They're descriptions of who he is. And we have this description of Jesus. Emmanuel, just one word. And tonight, I just want to spend whatever time I have. I got 18 minutes to spend with you talking to you about this word because this word is what Christmas is all about. I know some of you don't want to be here. You're dragged here by your mom, your wife. You're just in town. But give me 18 minutes, and I hope you can hear a word of hope, a word of promise, a word for you. So Emmanuel is actually translated into three English words. It means, you, many of you know this, God with us. So let's just break this down. First, he is God with us. Did you hear that? Jesus is God with us. When it comes to Jesus today, many people really have no idea who he is or what he even claimed to be. Because if they did, it would create a crisis in their life. They would be forced to change. So many people today simply view Jesus as a great teacher. Maybe he was a prophet. He was definitely a moral man who preached peace and those kinds of things. And yes, Jesus is all of those things. But he's so much more. We're told right here he is God with us. Every other religion, 
differs from Christianity right here. Every other religion was founded by someone, whether it is a prophet, a sage, or a teacher, who comes and they tell us, here's how you can get to know God. You do these things. You believe these things. You follow these things. Christianity is the opposite. It says, here's how you get to know God. God is actually going to come to you. The audacious claim of Christmas is that Jesus is God with us. All throughout the New Testament, you're confronted with this claim. There's just no way to talk about Jesus and not come face to face with the claim. Today, people say, well, where does it say Jesus is God? Have you ever heard that? It doesn't say that anywhere. Oh, yes, it does. It's all over the scriptures. One example is right here, Emmanuel, God with us. Another one, the very first verse in the Gospel of John says this, in the beginning was the word, another title for Jesus, and the word was God. Excuse me, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Here's a doozy found in John chapter 10, verse 30. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. I don't think it can get any clearer than that. Not much room for argument. Now, besides these two examples, there's others. You can see throughout scriptures and some of the stories what Jesus is actually claiming. For example, he will actually forgive people's sins. Now, the Jewish people understood what he was doing there. He was claiming the authority of God upon himself. How could this moral teacher say to a paralytic man, get up and walk because your sins are forgiven? How? Well, because he was God with us. I'll give you another example. Anytime an angel comes on the scene in the scriptures, and a lot of times that happens in the Christmas story, what do people do when they're confronted by an angel? They hit the deck in terrified fear. And then, on occasion, they'll try to worship that angel. And the angel will say to them, get up. Don't worship me. I am a created being just like you are. However, when we read the Gospels, we see people like Mary Magdalene or Doubting Thomas get down on their knees and begin to worship Jesus, and he actually receives it. Why? Because he is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and worship is what he deserves. C.S. Lewis nailed it when he said this, you got to come to one of three conclusions about Jesus. All of us do. Jesus was either a total liar, he was a lunatic who had a God problem, or he was really God. There's no other option. Every person must decide. Friends, I'm sure you realize it was ultimately this claim to be God that got Jesus killed. Many people came to the conclusion that he was a liar or that he was a lunatic. And so they wanted to do away with him. Remember that verse I showed you in John 10, 30, where Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Look at what follows. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. They are ready to kill him because they know what he's saying. And ultimately, they would get their wish. They would kill him for this very claim. God with us. Friends, it's impossible for you to say, as many people do today, yeah, I believe in Jesus, and it not fundamentally change your life. You must either reject Jesus or accept him as God, and if he really is God, if you really believe that deep down, then he deserves your devotion, your worship, your obedience, your love. He deserves your whole life. 
There's no in-between here. Christmas is not a nice little holiday about Santa and gifts and family. I'm not against any of those things. Enjoy them. They're great things. But it's not what it's about. Christmas is about the claim that God is with us. What have you decided about Emmanuel? What have you decided about him? Has he totally changed your life? Second, Emmanuel means God with us. With. That's one of the greatest words in English, isn't it? With. I'm with you in this. I want to do this with you. I couldn't have done this without you. Why is with such a great word? Think about it. Because it's a relationship word. It's a relationship word. And here's the second great truth about Christmas. Emmanuel is God with us. Jesus is not God who sits up on a throne, aloof to the needs and concerns of his people, growing a long white beard. Jesus is God with us. He didn't, as many believe today, kind of set the world in motion and now we're on our own. No, he is God with us. Listen, if God is the claim of Christmas, with, well, that's the wonder of Christmas. It's the incredible wonder of Christmas. Our God has come in person to share in our situation. When I was younger, I played Little League Baseball And on one occasion, our coach brought a stranger to our practice, and he was kind of helping us. I vividly remember I actually played pickle with this guy, and he was showing us all this stuff, how to throw the baseball correctly, how to catch, how to pitch. And all the time, I'm just thinking, who does this guy think he is telling us how to play baseball? He leaves, and our coach gathers us around as a team, and he says, how many of you knew who that was? None of us. He said, that was Moises Salou who you Cubs fans would know well. And we're like, what? Yeah, he's a professional baseball player. And at that point, we're all like, oh my gosh. A professional baseball player stooped down to come and play with our little league team. That is just incredible, wouldn't you say? But not nearly as incredible of the fact that God stooped down. And he became 100% human. Why? So he could be with with you, with me. Maybe the most powerful verses in all of scripture when it comes to this is in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, which says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Again, if God is the claim of Christmas, with is the wonder of it, the king of the universe, the alpha and the omega, the Lord God Almighty entering into human history wrapped in a little bundle in obscurity and poverty and humility, born in a podunk town called Bethlehem in the middle of nowhere. God with us. Once again, I hope we never lose sight of how radical this is. Up until the time Jesus showed up, a person could not be in the presence of God. You remember Moses once asked to see God's glory, to see his face, to meet God personally. And you remember what God says to Moses? He says, you can't see my face, for no one may see me and live. But now, 
The wonder of Christmas is, listen, God has come to be with us so we can now see him face to face. We can now be in his presence intimately and personally. If Moses were here right now, he'd be jumping up and down going, where's your joy? Where's your amazement? Isn't it incredible that God came to be with us so that you now can be with God face to face without fear? You can know him personally. He can come into your life and guide you and encourage you and challenge you. Do you realize what's going on here? As God with us, one other thing I might mention here is that you can now bring all of your burdens to God. And he knows exactly how you feel. He knows pain. He knows suffering. He knows heartache. Why? Because he's just not sitting up there. He came down. And he experienced it, all of it, to be with you. Now, I don't want to be a Scrooge or anything, but I'm going to be a Scrooge for a second. My least favorite line in any Christmas song is in a way in a manger. And I'm not going to sing it. I know you're disappointed. When it says, the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Are you kidding me? What baby in history has not cried? As if Jesus, we're creating Jesus into something he wasn't, right? As if he never felt fear or pain or sorrow or anger or frustration or temptation. Of course he felt those things. Guess what? When Jesus didn't eat, he got hungry. When Jesus got cut, he bled. When his friend died, what did he do? He wept. When he saw injustices, he got angry. He was with us in every way imaginable. Many of you know I had a kidney transplant about four months ago, and I can't even imagine going through a situation like that. And some of you have gone through harder things than that without knowing that I have a God who is with me. Sometimes the way that comes is through the body of Christ, through you, through us, encouraging one another. I just don't know how people could do it without him. And so again, the wonder of Christmas is that God isn't up there on his throne just sympathetic to your pain and your suffering and your doubts and your sorrow saying, I'm really sorry you have to go through that. No, he actually came down. He plunged himself into our broken world. He experienced the worst of it. He suffered an excruciating death on a Roman torture device. Why would he do that? So that we could be with him now and forever. Do you know God? The God who wants to be with you in a personal, intimate way. The day my life changed was the day when I was practicing religion. I'm going to talk about that in a minute, doing all these good things. But I never had a personal relationship with God until I realized in the Lord's Prayer, when Jesus says, this is how you should pray, he says, our Father. Now that sounds kind of formal to us, but in Aramaic, the language that Jesus spoke, it's actually Abba. You know what Abba means? Daddy. That's how Jesus invites us to pray to God. That moment, my life changed. I realized this was less about doing things for God and more about a relationship with God. Do you know the God who wants that relationship with you? Last, finally, he is God with us. So if God is the claim of Christmas, with is the wonder of Christmas, us is the invitation of Christmas. Now, by its very nature, the word us, you know this, it's a limited term. It doesn't mean all. It implies a certain group of people. Some of you watch the TV show, This Is Us. Who is the us in that TV show? It's the family that the whole show is based upon. And so who's the us that Jesus came for? This is where we get in trouble. Who's the us? 
Is it some super exclusive moral group of people who have somehow earned their way into Jesus' love by being really good and following all the rules? That's what I believed for a lot of my life. That's what every religion essentially says. If you want to be a part of us, then you got to be a really good person. And you got to have more good to outweigh your bad. And eventually, hopefully, you'll meet God sometime. I'll illustrate this for you very simply. This is what religion says. This is what I believed in my early life. It says there's God up on the stage, and I can work my way up to him. And so here's how I do that. I give some money to the poor. Oh, I'm a little bit closer. That's good. Okay, now I'm going to learn how to pray better. Oh, good. I'm getting close to God. Whoops, I just said something I shouldn't have to my wife. Oh, I just found myself gossiping with my coworkers about our other employee. And here we go. We get on this little treadmill thing over and over and over again. And that's essentially what religion is. And I experienced it early in my life. And you know what? It was exhausting. It was discouraging. It was frustrating. Because I always came up short. I knew I could never climb the mountain to God. Something stood in my way, and that something, Jesus says, is my sin. And yet, here's the good news of Christmas, as we already saw. Thank God he's not afraid of my sin. Thank God he's not afraid of my brokenness. He's not going to let my sin problem get in the way of me being with him. He won't strand me on the mountain of religion. So here's what he does. Imagine I'm God. I know that's a stretch for a lot of you. But imagine I'm him, and there, there we are down there. This is what Christmas is all about. Get on my back, Steve. The back that bled for you, it's the only way that we can be together. And when I was seven years old, I got on Jesus' back. I trusted him as my savior. It's been a learning process ever since. Now let me just ask you, have I ever sinned since I was seven years old? Just once. <laughs> Not all the time. But here's the difference between religion and Jesus, I will never lose my place with God. I'm here now and forevermore in his presence. He has washed my sin away by his blood. He has defeated the grave. Friends, this is called grace. Grace is what Christmas is all about. Paul describes grace this way in Ephesians 2. For it is by grace you have been saved. That's not just me. That's everyone through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's not religion. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Now, I love this verse. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, here's the problem. Too many people get the order of those verses mixed up. It is grace first, and then he calls us into good works. He calls us into obedience. He calls us into following. But he gives us all that we need to do those things. The gospel says, the good news that we celebrate tomorrow is that it's only by God's grace that you can be saved, that you can come to God. That's like a gift. We're going to open a lot of gifts tomorrow at our house. But the greatest gift that has ever been given is the gift of grace where God says, I know you have a sin problem, but that's not going to stop me. I have come to fix that very thing. 
All you do is receive that gift of grace. Then you follow him and experience a different way of life, life the way God intended it, life together with him. You see, friends, the reason Jesus became God with us is so that you could be with God. Are you? My question for us this Christmas Eve is, have you received his gift of grace? If you haven't, and the spirit is at work in your heart right now, here's all you need to know. You just got to surrender. Stop the treadmill of religion. Get on his back. Trust that he is a savior who came to save not just us, but you. Now, I know many of you in this room have already done that, and so here's my encouragement to you. As you gather around as family, as you eat a good meal, as you open gifts, don't forget, just don't forget to pause a little bit and celebrate the greatest gift of all, Emmanuel. God with us. Will you pray with me? Abba, what an incredible, what an incredible thing you've done. It's so easy to lose sight of what this time of year is all about, but we've set aside this hour to remember, to remember that you are Emmanuel, that you are God with us. If there is somebody in this room tonight that has not yet known you in this personal way, tonight could be the night. There's no ritual. There's no hoops to jump through. They simply need to open up their hands and surrender. Surrender the treadmill of religion. Get on your back and let you carry them to salvation. For those of us who have done that, Remind us again and again and again of the claim of Christmas, the wonder of Christmas, and the invitation of Christmas. We bless you and you praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information or to stay connected to Cherry Hills Church, please visit our website at cherryhillsfamily.org or follow us on Facebook.